go take your uh, take your Bible. I say take your song. Take your Bible. And Second Timothy chapter one. Second Timothy chapter one. I don't often do this, but I wanted to this morning. Because in their mind, and we're talking about feast, okay? In their mind, somewhere in the past, they had tasted it, and it was it became normal for them. That was their first taste. This is how it's supposed to be, and this is normal. And whatever we can do to recreate that, that's what we want to do. And if this is the list, then this is how we'll do it. I hated to tell them. I love you, and your grandmother loves you for trying to duplicate it, but you will never have it exactly like it was because she had a secret ingredient. <laughs> when she said a pinch of salt, her fingers were bigger than yours. Okay? When she said that she wanted you know, sage, she did, you didn't know that she was rubbing it with her hands. But you're going to do your best to recreate that because it creates a memory. J. David Abrams writes a, writes a poem about 
going to a baseball game with his father. And he said, he watched in DiMaggio throughout the first pitch. He said, and I would give it anything for a souvenir from that game to remember the one time my dad saved up and took us to a ball game where the Yankees played and watched the great DiMaggio throw out the first ball. Years later, he said, I tracked down that ball through a souvenir hunter. He said, I paid way too much for it, but I have to touch a memory. Let me tell you what you're doing here, okay? With all the little squirming, squealing, you know, people, yeah, getting away from you kind of thing. <laughs> you may have to get up and take them out and get them calmed down and bring them back and sit them down. And they may squirm and, and, and squeal or whatever kind of thing. And you get up and take them out and you bring them back and you get them all settled down and, and they don't understand what we're doing. What I'm telling you is this. You are creating normal. This is how they know their first experience of worshiping God. Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 1 to his young friend Timothy. And when he writes to his young friend Timothy, he's going to encourage his faith. So pick it up with me. He says, he says, verse 3, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember, remember you in my prayers night and day. I understand if you ever get anything from this congregation with the return address that says Hamilton Street Church of Christ, that you were prayed over when you got that. Because I thank God every time I remember you. I've been other places. Didn't get to be here last week. I was with my mom in worship. I want to tell you something. That whole time I was thinking about you. I wanted to sing with you. I wanted, I wanted to pass the bread and take the cup with you. Not because I don't like my mom's church where she goes, okay? The congregation where she works, but you are family. And I thank God, and Paul thanked God for Timothy. But notice what he says in verse 4. Longing to see you even as I recall your tears so that I may be filled with joy. For I am mindful, verse 5, of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that is in you as well. Let me tell you what you're doing here. Okay. Grandmother, and I know some of you don't like that name, so Nana, okay. Grammy, okay. whatever they call you, you are here because we honor the faith that you've passed to us. Thank you. Thank you for having faith. There is a whole world out there. And we can quibble over, over what song is sung where, what prayer is offered, how, kind of thing. And we can, as long as we stay scriptural, we're in, good, in a good place. But I'm going to tell you something. There is a whole world out there that doesn't do that. I can tell you, 9 o'clock. In the big cities, there is no traffic. Because people are sleeping in. I can tell you that at 10 o'clock, they're getting up to go eat brunch somewhere so they can go to a soccer game at 11 so that they can go home in the afternoon and go about their shopping as they usually do on their only day off. They didn't gather to worship. I can tell you their grandmother didn't do that. I can probably tell you that their mother didn't do that. But it is the world we live in. You have made a choice. You have taken the, 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 the words that meant so much to her. 
And I know you heard some of this last week with Brother Sam, but the thing is, is that it's true. It, it is that, that list, that, that, that instruction, that direction. And you want so much to have what they have, that peace of mind, that confidence in the heart that dwelt in your grandmother. She was a force, right? And you want it so much that you're willing to go and do that. For this reason, then, he says in verse 5. He says, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2, he says, You long for the pure spiritual milk through which you came to know the truth. He said, and taste and see that the Lord is good. So we open the book. We sing the songs. We say the prayers. We gather around the table. We do that every week. And I know, I know sometimes you think we're doing the same thing the same way all the time. But what is it you remember? You remember your ABCs because you what when you were younger? You sang them. Okay? You remember the books of the Bible. Why? Because when you were younger, we sang them. Okay? You remember that heaven is important. Why? Because we sing about it. You remember that God is good. <laughs> We pray to them. Now here's what you're doing. You want them to see the continuity. That's why we bring them and that's why we open the Bible and that's why they, they long to do that. I am still a proponent for Bible class and I'll tell you why. In 45 minutes, every student that's in a Bible class will remember the lesson that was taught when they're, when they're in classes seven hours a day, five days a week, and they can't remember a verb from a noun, from an addition, from a subtraction. But they'll remember the story of David and Goliath. They'll remember the story of Jesus walking on the water. They'll remember that we hear the word, believe, repent, and are baptized. Why? Because they hear it, and the word of God, Hebrews chapter 4 tells us, is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide between bone and marrow, soul and spirit, so that we are laid bare before the very presence of God. There is power in the blood, there is power in the word, there is power in the church. That's what you're doing. That's why it's so important. And then he says in verse 6, for this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. Or your text may say discipline itself. You are here training the future. You model it. You participate. You share it. And when you put all that together, put all that together, I know that when my time on this earth is gone, that the church of Jesus Christ will be in good hands. I don't know where it will be or what it will look like, but I know the seeds have been sown. I know that the leaders of tomorrow are here with us today. I look at these young ladies and young men. And I appreciate so much that while they don't understand everything, they know that someday they will. So ask the questions. Answer their questions. You know, one of the things that, that I need you to do, though, is I need you to remember not to be timid. You see, timidity 
is that idea that, well, it just doesn't matter. Timidity says that nobody will notice if I'm not there. Timidity says that maybe everybody else is right and I'm not. Timidity is not what we were given as a gift. We were not born again by water and spirit, John chapter 3 and verse 5. We were not born again to be timid people. We were born again so that we could be living witness of the power of the Spirit of God in this world. We were born again so that we could show what God can do with a life that is surrendered to Him. We were born again so that we could show love, true love, the way it should be shown by God to the people. When I think about that, I want to thank you. Here you are. It's a good thing. Okay? You're doing good things. I can't guarantee you. And I wanted to tell you this for a long time. There is no franchise on good things. I can't sell you a book that says these are the 10 easy steps to make sure your children are always faithful, always clean, always healthy, and always happy. A lot of people have tried. And a lot of us have bought the books and read the books and tried the things and, and whatever else and tacked the lists up on our refrigerator. I want to tell you right now, from experience, I can tell you, there is no franchise guaranteeing success. What I will tell you is this. Is that as best you can, while you have them, as we grow together, we give them God. Bring them before His presence. Teach them His Word. Show them His power and love and discipline in our lives. And then when we launch those arrows into the world, May they find their mark for this world. And to that end, we pray. Will they fall short of the mark? It is the essence of the word sin. To miss the mark. Did we expect that? Ask your mom. Ask your grandma. Because they looked at you and wondered sometimes if you were going to hit the mark ever. But you did. Sometimes it took a little inter inter intervention from God and some others. But eventually you found your way. And here you are. So, I want to encourage you. God has given you a spirit of power and of love and discipline. In verse 8, he says, Therefore. I love the therefores. He just says, of all of that, here's what you're doing. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. 
but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of anything that you do for the glory of God. Now that wasn't my lesson this morning, so you'll turn to the Bible. <laughs> I'm going to give you a challenge, church. Because you're thinking, oh, can go on any longer? <laughs> you just don't know what I'm fighting back here. Challenge. For Matthew chapter 5, Jesus talks about anger. And all of us are battling that. And he talks about anger. He says, You've heard it said in the past, do not, you know, and he talks about anger. He says, Do not murder, thou shalt not murder. But I tell you this, do not be angry with your brother. Right? And the whole idea is that when you talk about that, Jesus says that when we harbor that anger, when we let that anger control us, we are entering that, that place where we can actually murder them. And I've heard parents actually say that sometimes. I could murder my kid right now. Why? Because I'm so angry at them. I would pinch their ears off. I would pull their hair out. As you can tell, I was not a good child. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you a story about some other people who let anger control them. And they did some things they're just now learning are wrong. All Red Unit, out of Park, about 3,500 inmates. They're there because they're not going home. When you go to All Red, there's no parole, there's no probation, there's nothing. The best you can hope for is to make the best of a bad situation. And these people are in there because they're bad. You want to think life is bad for you? They were bad people. They did bad things. But I'm happy to tell you, and I read it last night, I think it's in your bulletin. Touched my heart. There are about 30, 35 people right now in Bible study classes. Not because they think that's a good thing to help them get on the parole list so that they can go home. Because they don't have anything else to do. And they finally figured out, you know what? What I did was wrong. It's like Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 1. That was me. I was the person who persecuted and I was the one who lived against the law. I was the one who was wrong. And it says that God's mercy was shown to me. And aren't you, aren't you just so excited? That somebody is sharing the gospel with those guys. Two hours a week. And straight Bible study. Fantastic. You know why they chose that? Partly because for all the years that they had been there, for all the years that they've been there, at Christmas time, they get a brown paper sack. And in the brown paper sack, there's a Bible reading guide for the year, a pair of tube socks, white, a tube of toothpaste, and a new toothbrush, and a small book of some kind, a small special gift that everybody gets the same. All in all, the bag costs about two bucks. 
but it comes from the prison ministry of the churches of Christ in this area. Every year it's given, just like we put together the care bags we took, right? And every year it's given, and they know that somebody cares. Two bucks. Give you a challenge. We're not real big on special contributions, but if you feel this next week, you pray about it. Two bucks. Buy a gift for a prison. But you know, we know what it's like to be in prison by anything. We live that every day on the outside. They're angry in prison then. And there's no going home for them in this life. But they're learning how to go beyond that life. Two bucks. In a busy time of year, two bucks. You give that two bucks to one of our elders. What I would love to do is I would love to call the prison <coughs> minister down here and present him two dollar bills. I think this would be fun. How many $2 bills can we put together to help an inmate know that God loves you? And open the door, hopefully, to them studying the Bible. Eight were immersed in October into Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin. They know freedom, but they'll never do otherwise. Two bucks. You pray about it. That's your challenge. Let me close with this. You have come today and you have been in worship. We have opened God's word. We have gathered around his table. We have lifted up prayer. You have heard that Jesus loves you. You know that in response to that, you can give your life to him in baptism. To put him on, to have sin washed away. To have no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know the truth and that truth can set you free. That's what I want our children to know when they leave this place. When they walk across the stage at graduation, I want them to know two things. One, the world is yours. Go out and do something. But I want them, too, to know that when I when Sunday morning rolls around, I need to get myself up. I need to get myself to church. And I need to, I need to practice what I know was preached to me all my life. Amen? Because that is the prayer of your grandmother and your mother. And that is the prayer that Jesus died for. That we take that word and we follow it, live it, and let it lead us to salvation. That may be your desire this morning. Maybe you need to be baptized. Maybe you need to repent of sin. Maybe you just need where you are to understand the focus isn't on all the distractions. Focus is on Jesus. You would focus your life this morning. And we can help you in some way. Would you come to the front and make your details together this morning?